When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast. The podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game. Later on, I'm going to be having my rant about Tuesday's game at Manchester United. But I wasn't there firsthand to witness it. Um, two of our friends from the north were, though. Greater Manchester's massive, it's Nick and Alistair. They were in the match, um, unlike the Spurs game where they, where they slummed it in corporate. They had the benefit of just going in the ordinary away end for this one at Manchester United on Tuesday. This is what they had to say before and after the game. It's Tuesday the 15th of February. I hope you had a very nice Valentine's Day last night, Russell and Peter. Um, we've just opened up a can of Pam- Camden Ale each and we're now walking towards Old Trafford through Gorse Hill of Stretford. You've heard of the Stretford end. Well, we're meandering up there and this is my, this is my turf. I'm Alistair. I live in Manchester, Brighton fan. I've lived up here since 2001. Uh, but it's great to be here. Looking forward to what is my, the closest match that I have to home. But obviously, it's not my home match because my home is the Amex. Um, how you doing? And I've got Nick with me from Rochdale. Hi, Nick. Hi, yeah. Yeah, it's my home game as well. This is the closest Premier League game for me. So, well, maybe City's a bit closer, possibly by a few miles. But yeah, very nice, very pleasant. None of the rain is, hasn't arrived. They forecast all sorts, didn't they, tonight? But it's been very pleasant, nice. No air, no wind. I mean, um, could be a good game. Day for game football. Absolutely. And uh, we're really looking forward to this because not only... Is it a Tuesday night? But it was meant to have happened a, a, a Saturday in December. We had friends up uh, that were meant to be um, coming to the game. And they came up on the Saturday anyway and we went out for drinks. So we had a nice afternoon of drinking, didn't we, back in December? Yeah, yeah. We didn't make up the lack of the football. But tonight <laughs> no. it's just a pair of us. Um, hopefully there's a lot of Brighton fans up. We think it's sold out, don't we, the Brighton end? Yep. So looking forward to the atmosphere. Hopefully, what do you reckon? One all? Uh, it's got one all written all over it, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, which probably means we're going to lose 3-0, but I think this has got one all written all over it when you, you think about United and Burnley and Southampton, those recent score draws that they've had. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to admit, right, United are on a bit of a precipice in terms of their fans' belief in them at the moment. So the we score first or look to be playing, dominating the possession. Yeah. 
it could get it could get it could get tasty, tasty. yeah it could get very tasty <laughs> in that ground so let's look forward to that and of course Thor Ragnarok um, who is their new manager um, he he likes going forward and I think basically the players are knackered after about 50-60 minutes talking to the United fans that I know so I think that's what that's their biggest worry is that we'll have better legs than them uh, because we're used to going forward and they're not I think the funny thing about this game is it's the first time I've been to Old Trafford and watch Brighton play and not feel like we're the underdog anymore. We've game on equal terms. It's a very weird feeling. So we'll probably lose now. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll give you further updates as we go through the match. Um, here's hoping uh, and up the Albion. Yeah, up the Albion. So it ends 2-0 to United um, and this time we were watching the view from the seats with all the other fans and it's fair to say we feel a bit robbed, a bit um, it, certainly 2-0 really flat as United uh, but at the same time we committed Harry Kiri, we, we found a sword and we landed on it and managed to do uh, do the worst, first of all giving away the goal for, for Christian Ronaldo and then um, and then I don't know what Lewis was doing, it was the other end of the pitch to us but it didn't look great what was your thinking about it, Nick? Just, as you said, I think I'm more disappointed about that than I was the Spurs game because we, we looked so good in the first half. But then second half, it looked like we took that gun and shot ourselves in the foot yet again. I, I don't know what happened in the sending off, but, you know, we just didn't need that. And uh, so frustrating. It's classic Brighton. And we played so well in those last ten minutes when we were all over and they were clinging on. We hit the post, we had chances, that header from Welbeck, you know. Ah, oh, so frustrating. It's exactly the same. Feels like, oh, like I said to you, it feels like it just sums up our season in one game, that. Well, uh, and, and it did have one all written all over it after the sending off. Um, just the opportunity to maybe get a, an equaliser. Uh, yeah. But um, it wasn't to be, and, and today, of all days, it um, yeah, particularly us as people that live in Manchester we have to put up with this now tomorrow uh, when we go to work <laughs> but uh, I have to say like, our fans were class today I mean they sung all through even when we went down to 10 men and we were losing 1-0 and you felt like it was it could go in you felt like it could be that last minute equaliser but it just wasn't to be it's just so frustrating today walking away from that ground and all these happy United fans it was like they'd won the bloody cup final when they when they uh, the final whistle went so that's there was a lot of sharp intakes of breath, breath as as, uh, as we were putting those crosses in and it really did look like we had a good chance of getting an equaliser there and I think United fans had seen that maybe two, two three many times yeah. uh, over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and if, you know, it, was, it felt like it was set up for Welbeck to score and little Lampty, like a little puppy running down that, what was it? It was the right wing, wasn't it? Attacking yeah. our goal and he just was dying to get that ball and got it a couple of times that just just didn't fill our way, did it? But anyway, you know, onwards and upwards. We're still, I think we guess we're still ninth, aren't we? Yeah, um, the only thing is we lost our goal difference there today with those two goals down. Um, just an honourable mention to Basuma, who just looked complete quality. And Kukurea, who I think was my Brighton man of the match, he, there were just some little dinks and just whether well, way he was going for the ball, particularly in that first half. But even in the second, you could just see the way that he was um, 
managing that ball um, was was quite impressive. Yeah, Cucurella and Basuma. Although, like you've noticed, Basuma just walked off at the end, didn't close. Yeah, the fans, yeah. Which is a bit odd. But uh, said the Cucurella actually he was only a little bit behind him. <laughs> so I don't know if it's I don't know if it's just ignorant yeah. or, or they were just fed up and they wanted to go home uh, or whatever it was. But. I hope it was the latter, but. Um, yeah, I mean, Basuma was great, particularly that first half. He's absolutely looked world class that first half. Second half was always going to be more difficult, but yeah, those two, I guess, yeah, they were both eight, nine out of ten for me. And they, um, they'd certainly be able to just steal the ball, and they managed to get the ball several times, didn't they? Um, from that midfield, and, and we always look more likely to maybe win it in the midfield in that first half, but, but obviously that reversed completely after the mistake, and then, Dunk sending off. Um, must say, a little bit irked at the uh, the fact that VAR seems to always go in the favour of United. But then again, uh, it was Dunk who did the tackle. It wasn't the ref, and it wasn't the VAR ref either. So um, if Dunk, didn't it, when they went, walked over to that screen, you just yeah, knew he was, was going to be sending off. Yeah. So I mean, once he had gone, I think we all knew. You know, we hoped it would be the 90th minute standard equaliser from Mope or Welbeck. But anyway, like I say. Next season we'll get them. I'm sure we're better than this lot. Well, we, I suppose what one of the regrets is that this is possibly the worst United team that we've we've witnessed Brighton play as well. So we had a, felt that we had a bit of an opportunity today, and also maybe our best team as well. But there you go. Anyway, yeah, like you say, on to the next game. I don't know who we got next. Burnley is it? We surely will beat them. So uh, you would hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh well, that's uh, two in a row we've seen now. <laughs> two in a row, and there's no cheese board this time, Nick. No cheese board. Oh dear, blue and white striped blue cheese is my personal favourite, you know, yeah, to yeah. celebrate. So if anyone wants to send any to Russ, I'm sure Russ will make sure that I get some the next time we're all at a match together. I think there's a big away day being planned for Newcastle, so so that that will be the next one that uh, a 90 minute worth of rambling and drunken like musings. And Newcastle away, right? They're just on a resurgence, just as we go and play them. So typical. I know. Yeah, yeah, we're going to lose that. <laughs> as well, aren't we? yeah. Oh well, no, no, no. Let's let's keep our positivity. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. We will win that one. We will yeah, win that one. Yeah. Right. Well. All the best. And uh, yeah, we'll report to you again the next time we we are at a match. Have a good one, and uh, yeah, over to yeah, Peter, yeah. up the Albion, over to Peter, and to Russ. So, thanks very much there to Alistair and to Nick, our friends in the North, for their match report from Tuesday night's game at Manchester United. Now, you've heard their views, now you're going to hear mine, and here we go with a rant, because I've watched the game back, having listened to the commentary with Johnny Cantor, the BBC Sussex stuff, through the club's um, app, initially and I haven't seen all of the game I've had to skip through it so the overall balance of the match I can't really portray however all of the key moments I know about I've seen them back and I am fuming first of all I've got to say Albion themselves need to do better with capitalizing as Nick and Alistair have alluded to there first half we were the dominant force Mark Lawrenson on the BBC um, uh, commentary apparently on the radio was saying that we were the better side um, and we were I mean we, we had the better chances we took the game to them, we weren't, weren't scared of them they looked a little bit devoid of confidence a little bit unsure of themselves and we didn't, we looked confident we looked up for it, we looked hungry and this was the best chance we've had to win at Manchester United we never get any results there we've had one draw in the league and the rest of the results in the league have been defeats some of those justified, some of those a little unlucky, but on the overall balance of play, you can't, can't complain. Other matches, you can complain. And last season, the penalty, Danny Welbeck, 
Peter will want me to mention this because he's not on this episode, but he want, would certainly want me to flag this up. Danny Welbeck was blatantly fouled in the penalty box last season at Old Trafford by Harry Maguire. Nothing was given by the referee, wrong decision, and VAR did not intervene, or if it did, it did so on such a slow... Sorry, on such a, a, such a rapid basis that um, we don't even know whether it was checked or not. Ultimately, it wasn't overturned. It was a clear and obvious error, not given. Now, fast forward to this season. We've dominated the game. Should have got, the, should have got ahead in the first half, to be fair. Second half, a mistake by uh, Basuma, unfortunately. He could have nicked the ball forward between two Man United players closing in on him to try and keep the move going and to get further away from goal. Uh, he wasn't able to do that. McTominay closed in on him, nicked the ball away, got it to Ronaldo, who, with still some distance to cover from goal, um, shuffled forwards, chinked a little bit with three or four players around him, and released a shot into the um, into the corner. Great goal from their point of view, but a very avoidable one from ours. Now that was the first goal after just a few minutes of the um, second half. Disastrous start for us. A good start to the second half for Manchester United. Up till now. Very disappointing, shouldn't be behind, but fair enough. Then, just three minutes later, the incident which, in my opinion, changed the game. Because with 11 men, 1-0 down against the runner play, I still had every confidence, having heard the commentary and later watched the game, that we were the better side in this match. We had the advantage of, of being very good away from home, with lots of confidence, with lots of mental strength to get back into games, to at least get late equalisers, not not least for a one-all draw, as we usually do. And Manchester United, in recent times, are devoid of that confidence. In fact, they keep dropping points, and they keep drawing one-all. So the chances as that kind of game wore on, with 11 v 11, of us getting a result, would be, I would say, very promising, to put it bluntly. Now... This was de deprived us. We still gave a good account of ourselves with 10 men, but we were deprived of having the 11 v 11 because three minutes after Ronaldo's goal, unfortunately, we made another mistake. We have to acknowledge that first. Lewis Dunk, who dawdled on the ball. Um, he did it and dawdled. And the very rapid uh, United forwards, the young lad, Alanga, uh, rushed forwards, nicked the ball off him, and then tried to run past him, was pulled back by Dunk quite correctly, it was given as a foul, but also, in my opinion, quite correctly, it was given as a yellow card by Peter Banks, the referee. Now, at this stage, no complaints. Bit of a disaster start to the second half. Worried about how things might pan out. Nothing worse than that. However, things did get worse than that because, despite the fact that Robert Sanchez may have advanced and despite the fact that Adam Webster definitely could advance and, in my opinion, definitely would have been able to get to the loose ball that Alanga had nudged past Dunk. The um, VAR decided to take it upon themselves to insist on or to recommend Peter Banks to look at the VAR screen. Now, we all know what that means. It means that when he goes over, he is virtually compelled, he's certainly obliged to overturn his decision with the assumption being made, the implication being made that the initial decision was wrong. In my opinion, the initial decision was 100% correct. It was not wrong at all. So for that to be overturned was, in my opinion, a disgrace. Now, some of my mates have said um, they think it was a red card and I cannot understand for the life of me what the hell they are talking about. Having watched that back, I cannot see 
any reasonable cause for doubt to start with, which would entitle the VAR to call over the referee to have a look or for Peter Banks, that referee, to be entitled to overturn his decision. There was nothing in that which made me think he was definitely going to have a clear goal-scoring opportunity, which is the definition of giving a red card. Um, in nudging the ball from Dunk, Dunk was in the same position. He All he did was got the ball nicked off him, pulled the player back as the player went past him. That's all he did. He didn't change position. He didn't close off space or do anything. So Langer's run to advance beyond Dunk after nicking the ball off him was the same run or was going to be the same run as he would have made um, if Dunk hadn't been there at all. It was the same run. He had to go round where physically where Dunk was, so a slight change of direction. Now, if it was just a case of him then bundling in on goal and Sanchez maybe can get to him and get to the ball and block it, maybe he doesn't or maybe he hesitates and stays back, who knows what happens with Sanchez? But nearer to the ball than Sanchez, also goal side of the ball, at a bit of an angle, but not much of an angle, was Adam Webster, our defender. Now, he was, in my mind, absolutely capable of getting to that ball first. The ball was rolling several yards at least ahead of Alanga. And even if his run wasn't checked, if he'd have been allowed to run straight past Dunk willy-nilly, he would be very unlikely to get to that ball before Adam Webster. Now, if he can't get to it clearly before Adam Webster, then he's not going to be in a position to do anything with that ball, apart from maybe just competing for it. It wouldn't have been a clear-cut scenario. He'd still have to get past Adam Webster, and by this point, maybe Sanchez closing in as well. The point is, he would not have had a clear run. The only way he would have done is through some scenarios from conjecture. Yeah, Webster might slip over, something like that. But then so might Alanga. That doesn't mean that's clear goal scoring. Sanchez and Webster might both try and challenge for the ball and they might get in each other's way. Again, that's a hypothesis, nothing more. The thing that you can see is that the ball was rolling away from Alanga several yards towards the goal, towards the positions where our defender and goalkeeper were. And that defender, Adam Webster, was able to close down and clear that if the situation had unfolded without uh, Dunk's foul. So, for me, that is 100% not a red card. I know Peter, I spoke to off-air, agrees with me. He thinks it's a disgrace. And he was quick to cite last season's scenario with Danny Webber... Uh, sorry, Danny Webster. Danny Welbeck, even. <laughs> we'll get to it in the right. Danny Welbeck and Harry Maguire. Now, that was a ridiculous decision last season. This was a ridiculous decision this season. Last year, it was a clear and obvious error that was not by the referee, that was not overturned by VAR. This time, it was a correct decision by the referee that shouldn't have been overturned by VAR and was. It is a case of VAR, which I am in favour of in theory, continuously and consistently failing to do the job that I think it should be there to do, which is to improve the ratio of correct decisions. It is not doing that. We've seen it time and again particularly with the big six clubs and with some other home teams in certain games, there's an influence. It's particularly a big club bias. The top six, Manchester United and Liverpool and Chelsea, are very, very strongly beneficial in these regards. Man City as well. They get decisions they don't deserve. They've got, they're afforded all the luxuries. They have bigger crowds, bigger funding. They get investment from 
oligarchs and um, oil-rich countries abroad, abroad throwing money at them. Newcastle will soon be the same. They're throwing money at the game. They already have big crowds and lots of income before any of that investment even comes in. And on top of all that, they get the benefit of refereeing decisions. How many more bloody advantages do these teams need? It happens over and over again. And as I said, I'm sick to death of these decisions. I'm sick to death of Manchester United and of all the other big clubs getting these decisions. And what I also cannot stand, apart from that factor itself, is, in the case of Manchester United, the way they have always done from the Alex Ferguson era onwards, and they continue to do, even now through several different managers, is to surround, harangue, harass and bitch at the referees to put pressure on to get decisions swayed in their favour. They have no right to do that. It is forbidden from the rules for them to do it. Bruno Fernandes, in fairness to referee Peter Banks, was booked for doing so. But Cristiano Ronaldo should also have been booked for doing so, and possibly Harry Maguire as well, because they are not supposed to surround the referee and put pressure on. They're doing that. They've been told in a remit they are not supposed to do that. They are doing it. One of them got booked. Should have been three. That, in general, shouldn't have influenced the decision. But VAR, who, Dermot Gallagher, bless his cotton socks, Dermot Gallagher, I'll get on to him in a minute, but what he said was that the influence is, the decision's coming from VAR, and VAR is not influenced by match conditions. In other words, they're not at the stadium, they're not influenced by the pressure of the crowd, or by the players surrounding, physically surrounding that, that referee, that VAR ref. Obviously that is true. But the point of the matter is, they are then called, there's just a bias in general, because they are calling into question something that wasn't a question. They've brought into question something that wasn't a question. And then they have obliged the referee to effectively change his decision. And he has got all of those um, stadium conditions to deal with when being put under pressure to make that decision. So he's under pressure from VAR and he's under pressure from Manchester United. Why is he under pressure from VAR? Well, I can only assume they are biased. Whether it's conscious or subconscious bias, it is biased. There is no two ways about it. It happens over and over and over again. Occasionally, some odd decisions go the way of smaller clubs. But let's face it, in the majority, and certainly in games between bigger and smaller clubs, those big clubs get the favourable decisions the vast majority of the time. And I'm sick to death of it. I'm sick to death of, death of those big clubs. You know, they all had the audacity to try and get a European Super League underway. There's clubs from other countries still insisting that exists and should go forward. The clubs in this country that were party to that, quite frankly, they can bugger off. They can join that Super League, leave us all behind to enjoy football in, a, in at least some kind of more purist form where you're not having big club biases. At least it won't be the same big clubs, even if there is. You know, that will be a welcome change. They can bugger off and Newcastle can bugger off as well, as far as I'm concerned, because as I said, I'm sick to death of these decisions. Now, you could call this a pretty strong rant if you want, and I wouldn't disagree with you. Um, but I'm not alone. Now, Steve Ferris, who many of you will know has been on the podcast before, he is a an Albion fan, but he is a qualified referee um, around the sort of Sussex and Surrey areas, I believe it is. And he's made his comments on this. He just to just to give you some professional backup, as it were, um, to my argument. This is what he said. 
He said, yet another defeat to Manchester United. At least this time they beat us in 90 minutes and not after the final whistle. Um, he said um, that um, the, he's, he's got experience in the refereeing fraternity and he has a couple of points to make. First of all, Dunk's challenge was never a DOGSO. It's no, never a, a denying of a goal-scoring opportunity. As Webster was between him and the penalty area and in easy reach to intercept the player. So that's the first point. Then he says, once VAR advises the referee to look at the monitor, then 99.9% of the time, the referee will feel obliged to change their decision. So by stealth, VAR is refereeing the game. Which, just as my ad- adding on point here, is to say they're not supposed to be doing that. It's not, they, they're keen to keep mentioning it. it's not supposed to be there to re-referee the game. It's there to assist the referee. But as Steve says... By stealth, VAR is re-refereeing the game. He then goes on to say there was not a clear and obvious error in the original decision, so VAR had no reason to intervene. Anyway, he says, onwards and upwards, and looking forward to our friend, Kevin Friend, on Saturday against Burnley. Oh, joy, Steve. Well, we've got that to come as well. Anyway, so that's that's the official view from, from a referee. So you get their opinion as well on the show. And, I mean, for me... I'm disgusted with the way Man United behave. I'm disgusted with the decisions they get. I'm disgusted with how often, this three times in a row now, we've been robbed by Manchester United. Now, I know in this particular instance, we have to put in the caveat that we were 1-0 down, regardless of that red card at the time. So there is no guarantees we would have got a point or three points from the game. But I have strong suspicions that we would have got something from the game because quite frankly we're a better team than Manchester United we're in better form we've got more confidence we are used to getting draws away from home if not better and they're used to drawing games at best in their recent history it's so infuriating really infuriating that when they're at their weakest ebb and we should have been beating them we weren't allowed to have a proper go at doing so because we were denied the 11 men. Now, in that first half, yes, we should have got taken the lead. We should have been ahead. And also we were unlucky. Jakob Moda with a brilliant angled header towards the top of the goal. Brilliant, in fact, world-class save from David De Gea. Unfortunately, he picked that moment to come back into form, as it were. Um, not ideal for us. And yes, their goal went against the run of play. Yes, I do think we could have got back into it, even with 10 men. But how much more likely would it have been with 11? Even with 10, we had Jakob Moda from a very similar position to where Wilfred Zaha scored his goal at Norwich uh, a couple of weeks ago before that hilarious penalty miss. Um, but anyway, a great goal from Zaha, that um, equaliser. Jakob Moda was in a very similar position in the pitch when he tried an audacious angled long-range shot which easily beat De Gea. He was left-stranded. Unfortunately, it went flat against the crossbar and out. Just matter of inches away from perfection. What does he have to do to get his first Premier League goal for the Albion? Anyway, um, that's a slight digression. The point is, we carried on attacking. Danny Welbeck near the end didn't quite get his leap and shaping right, but it headed over when normally he's so dangerous from headed positions in centre-forward areas. Um, so close to, to getting a point regardless. And with 11 men instead of 10, which we should have had, 11, and we should have had 11 men, how much more chance will we have had? I feel robbed because what they do, they either rob you through the decisions or they rob you of the opportunity um, to, to get the results that you think you should get. Um, they either deny them directly or indirectly. It keeps happening. It'll carry on happening. I'm sick to death of it. But anyway, that's my rant over about that. Now, getting on to Dermot Gallagher. 
Um, can he just bugger off? What is the damn point in Dermot Gallagher? He's a refereeing apologist. All he does is stick up for the decisions, good, bad or ugly, that referees have made in the immediate um, precursor to the time he's on the show, talking to Sky Sports. He is a waste of time. He's, at best, a um, he's an apologist for the referees. That's all you can say about him, really. He's... In this particular instance, he has come to the conclusion that, yes, sure enough, VAR came to the right decision. He has actually had the audacity to go on to say, this is a really good example of where VAR can make a good difference and can get the right decision. No, they didn't. They gave him the wrong decision to be pressured into making. That's what they did. It was not the correct decision. If you can honestly say to me, Dermot Gallagher, or to anybody else watching that programme, that you honestly think Alanga was likely, very likely, to get to that ball before Webster. The ball's rolling towards Webster. It's rolling away from him. It's several yards away. He really thinks he's going to get to that. He said Alanga was fouled. He may, with his next step or two, have decided to shoot from range, or he might have run on and tried to challenge um, further the goalkeeper further up. No, he couldn't have a shot with his next step or two. That wasn't possible because the ball was rolling yards away from him and he was going to have to run onto that and he was going to have a defender challenging him. He wouldn't have had a clear shot at goal. Absolute joke. He's an embarrassment now, Dermot Gallagher. I know I've said I shouldn't watch this. I'm just winding myself up by doing so. But it's kind of like a car crash thing. You can't help but look. I can't help but look and hear what Dermot Gallagher's got to say this week, and it is an absolute disgrace. It's a joke. He doesn't have any credibility whatsoever. If he's not going to make impartial comments, if he's just going to suck up to his either colleagues or ex-colleagues or the new generation of people that's in his profession and he feels some camaraderie with, whatever the reasoning is, it's a waste of time having him on there. So, Sky, get him off. And so we come to another team that we've had a load of rip-off decisions from, Burnley, as Steve has mentioned there in the message that I read out just a moment ago, we've got Kevin Friend apparently refereeing at the weekend. Now, Kevin Friend is nobody's friend, but he's particularly not ours. And he is a dreadful referee, by and large. He's refereeing a game against Burnley, a team who we consistently get dodgy decisions uh, given against us in favour of Burnley against us. We've had it with the recent match where, very, very blatantly, Tarkovsky fouled our man both Dermot Gallagher, the aforementioned buffoon, and Alan Shearer, another buffoon, both said that was perfectly fair challenges. He pushed Morpé about 10 yards back before heading it in at the goal line. That is not anything other than a foul. Are we going to get better decisions this time around? I have no confidence. What I do have confidence in, though, is that we've got a much better team than Burnley. The difference between the sides is more than just footballing styles. It's now a case of quality as well. I don't think Burnley have the capability to beat an Albion team performing at its proper levels. So as long as we can get a decent enough team out, and I do worry about our team, because Lewis Dunk is now not only punished the Man United game, but he, he and Albion are also punished by not having him available for the Burnley game, unless that red card is rescinded, which I'm assuming we have zero chance of doing, because A, I'm not sure we'll bother appealing, and B, if we did, it would get overturned. Or rejected. Um, so, you know, we're going to be weakened. Webster seemed to be feeling his groin. It may have been a problem with him. Are we going to be missing Dunk and Webster? Would that weaken our chances of getting a decent 
team out and a decent performance from whichever team we do put out on Saturday, I don't know. I'm not sure. All I do know is that some things never change. And I'm really hoping that we are at least going to be too good for referees to make a difference in this match. It was never going to be possible for us to be too good for referees to make a difference in the game at Old Trafford because, quite frankly, you've got to be two goals better to get anywhere at all, as, as one of our friends Richard said. And I think that's probably true at a minimum. Um, with Burnley, I think we can still beat them regardless of refereeing. Let's hope so. Um, well, we're going to be doing something of a match day special, by the way. Um, I am expecting to be speaking to the boys who have devised the Dogma fanzine as our latest fanzine special, which will double up as a match day special with the Burnley match. Um, we may, before that, have had a Dick Knight special part two, the second part of our conversation, um, which we recorded last week. That may have come out by the time you're listening to this. If not, it will be coming hot on its heels. So in the meantime, um, all I can say is, unlucky to the Albion, you really, really did not deserve to lose that match. The 2-0, by the way, is just the same flattering scoreline that Villa had in our only other away defeat this season. And the reason we lost 2-0 is, um, is twofold, really. One, um, a bit of clinical finishing on a counter, obviously. And two, the fact those counters were able to take place were because this club will not give up, will keep going for the equalisers or indeed winners. And it is because of that that we will sometimes get caught on the counter. And it's the Premier League. Teams can be clinical. So I don't mind the fact we lost 2-0 in those games. Uh, well, I do mind the scoreline, but I don't mind the reason for the scoreline, which is that we kept going. We kept looking the better side. Man United were pinned in for the last 10 minutes of that match um, on Tuesday. And with Villa... Again, that should have been a nil-nil game. So, you know, we've been unlucky in those two games. However, I think it's hopefully going to be a return to winning ways. But the Albion, the, the boys played well, some good performances. I'd like to watch the game in its full entirety later to get a better measure before commenting further. But I think we played well. From everything I've heard, we, we, were, we were great and we really didn't deserve that. What was also interesting, just as a final word, is that Graham Potter was critical of the referee and of other elements to do with Man United players surrounding the referee. Now, he never comes up with stuff like this. That tells you the weight of frustration he's probably feeling. Part of that may be accumulated frustration, but I think largely it's to do with the game itself from Tuesday. Um, interesting point of note there. Anyway, let's hope he's going to be happy when he's talking post-match in the Burnley game. Until then, thanks for listening again. Thank you again to Alistair and to Nick for their um, in-match um, an on-day analysis of the game. And until next time, folks, stand or fall, up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high-fiver? I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.